Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Border Springer, the magic man. He's done again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Dante Pelly! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. Three rounds to play. The consequences are magnified, particularly when two of the world placed teams come to meet. Friday night begins round 21 with second versus third in a bit of a throwback. In a throwback to a time when Melbourne and Collingwood were successful at the same time. We're talking the late 80s and then we're talking the 60s before that. We've had a nice little taster on the Queen's birthday. It amps up further tonight. Collingwood on a 10-game winning streak. Melbourne, who just looked like they'd restored themselves last Friday night. They come back to the G on a chilly, a chilly winter's night to put it to be tested. Jared Waitley with you, our Coats High commentary team tonight. I'm alongside Anthony Hudson. Hello, Hutto. Hello, Jared, and good evening, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great Friday night. What a what a match we have in store, and what a week we've had. I mean, so the season itself is heading to this incredible crescendo, and yet other events have overtaken the narrative. One of the, one of the, the late sort of controversies uh, in, involving Ed Langdon, of course, uh, relates to tonight's game, and who would have thought we would have had two controversies regarding Eddie's and neither of them were Eddie Maguire? <laughs> oh, good start, Hutto. <laughs> Strong stuff to begin. So the Adelaide camp, Eddie Betts' book has been backed up by the words of Josh Jenkins here in an emotional outpouring today, which we will discuss and replay bits and pieces for you. That, that was so harrowing. I, yeah. I, I was driving nearby and I you know, work with Josh a little bit. Um, don't know him that well, but I felt like driving into the studio and just giving him a hug. Like it was, it was. I'm not really much of a hugger, but it was, it was just amazing radio, wasn't it? Just to hear him firsthand on the back of what Eddie had said, retell his version. Yep, to take his time to work through it, and yes, it's Adelaide's. Adelaide's pledges to move on. You can't move on until you've adequately faced up to the events of the past, and it's quite clear that that football club has not done that. Uh, and where's Buddy Franklin going to play next year? Is, is occupying a few minds as well. Jared Healy, good evening. Yes, occupied uh, mine for a period last night. Uh, we had the CEO, Tom Harley, on for a period, and uh, he knew nothing about it, it seemed. And uh, all of a sudden, about one minute after he left us, uh, it was everywhere. But <laughs> what a week it has been. It's been a disappointing week. And so often we, you know, so often we indulge in self-flagellation as a sport or we tear ourselves apart as a sport. And for good reason, this week we've had a really disappointing week. And then you get this rejuvenation when you come to the footy and, and what a game to rejuvenate us and uh, just remind us all about why we're all here. Melbourne v Collingwood, couldn't be better. This is one uh, that stood out as always going to be a great challenge for the Pies. 
the fact that they get here with 10 wins in a row makes it even more fantastic. And Dermot Burton is by your side. Hello, Dermot. Good evening, Dermot. How are you, gentlemen? How are we going? We're going well. Uh, we are. We're going all right. Are you Some going? others in the fraternity, not so well. But uh, it's. I look at that, and, and even though it was four years ago, it, it felt like we were talking about the 1980s. And I, I don't mean this is a, you know, any tinge of humour to it. it. It felt like a 1980s activity. Dreadfully sad for those boys who suffered and felt that sufferance to a greater degree than some others. And, and then I also, yes, the club needs to do more. I also felt for the club in a, in a weird kind of way because I thought to myself, that club in that moment was racking their brains. How do we make that next step? How do we get better? And everything was designed to get a better result. It wasn't designed to, in a harrowing circumstance, make young men feel demoralised and deflated and, and, and take them down and humiliate them. It wasn't designed to do that. That was one of the strategies, but it was all designed to get that club up and make them better. And it was just an awful situation where it's backfired dramatically and impacted some other young men's lives. Yeah, so it, I mean, it has ruined the footy team and it has, it, it's, it's had a devastating effect on, on numerous individual careers. So we've heard about two, but it stretches far more than that. So there's a few moments when you, when you hear the specifics relayed and, and Eddie wrote them and then Josh spoke them as for, for what they were striving for, Dermot, I keep having this nagging feeling. What if Don Pike had watched it and gone, no? how powerful a moment of leadership that might have. They might have got all that they needed out of his intervention. Yes, mm. this is our idea. Oh, no, we're not doing this. A lot of the time, people in that position, would, which would have been pikes at that stage, and other people in various times of these oh, horrible scenarios in our sport over the history... The person making that decision, who's capable of making that decision, the Don Pike of that moment, puts inexplicable trust in the person that they've employed to make the team better. That's what they are trusting in. And they think, well, gee, I hope this comes out good at the other end. And I agree with you. We can look back with hindsight now and say, if Pikey had to put up the big stop sign and go, it stops now... This is not the way we go. Yes, powerful in hindsight, and I bet you he's thinking that himself. But at the time, there's a degree of trust. You trust in the professional who says we can make this happen to this degree. And that's the question, how professional. And to me, that's the overriding element, the, the arrogance of those who are des to, to designing the, the, the camp to think that they can use abuse and control abuse to come up with a a uniform positive outcome knowing that there's so many individuals so many different cultures etc to me just it just reeked of you're kidding yourself if you think you can control and guarantee a positive outcome for everybody by delving into their personal deep history and throwing it back at them 
I, I was flabbergasted when I heard That's that. That's the area where the player has trusted the yeah. people That's they've the given information of, to. Absolutely, the yeah. breach of trust. That's another area of, as you call it, breach of trust. They've trusted the information that they're divulging can be used in a positive way to make them a better person, mm. not to humiliate them mm. to try and make them a better person. And even if that kind of works, it's only working in some cases, and I'm talking aside from this yep. Adelaide situation, in the past, when I've seen it work, it works for short term when the player plays in spite yep. to prove the person wrong, but they play in spite of the coach, coaches, coaching panel, who's delivered that horrible sermon to and them. victims along the way who didn't cope. Yeah. We don't know how many. And, and back in the day, we don't know how many great players we lost mm. because we said, ah, we weeded them out. They were mentally fragile. Imagine... Imagine saying that today. How many great players we must have lost along the journey. But it's just, that's a separate issue. At the start of 2017, Richmond had gone through this whole vulnerability yep. piece and they'd just done it in such a different way, hadn't mm. they? Yeah, look, uh, I think we all look back in shock and horror and uh, I'm not sure how the people that were involved look back because, as Dermot rightly pointed out, all these things are done with the greatest of intentions and yet it surely must have struck some that were sitting there that this is... This has gone beyond the pale. I mean, we don't know who was there. We don't know how close they were to it. Um, but you listen to Josh today and you listen to Eddie and you think, gee, it's, it surprises me that there was an intervention. So we'll come back through this. We'll play you a portion of what Josh Jenkins had to say this afternoon uh, in uh, yeah, a really an emotional piece that has been on his mind for, for four and a half years. He gave voice to it over a period of time. So we'll, we'll play you a portion of that and, uh, and delve into the other topics of the week as well. We're going to touch base with both Melbourne and Collingwood in the lead-up. So what are we fitting? There's no side challenging the imagination quite like... Collingwood, is there? They've been fantastic for the competition the whole way through. Craig McRae, Craig McRae's been fantastic for the competition the whole way through. Calling exciting football is fantastic for the competition. I mean, Collingwood are a side you're supposed to hate. I'm starting to feel like I uh, <laughs> have a bit of love for the Pies. I mean, they just have turned it on, and uh, I feel like Bill Murray in. in uh, Caddyshack, they are the Cinderella story, aren't they? They just, they just keep winning. When you look at you, you peek in at certain games. You go, no, nah, they just should not win from here, and they just keep doing it. It's but they're doing it in an entertaining way. And yeah. even if they lose tonight, they may well. But well, we're going to be entertained. I hope we're entertained. I was on radio yesterday, and I came on with the boys, uh, uh, the two Andys. Just moments after, my spot, moments after Red Langdon had been on, and they said, what you think? And I said, fantastic. I said, it really shouldn't affect the opposition. Once again, yeah. you and I have played under enough coaches where they go, what are you doing, son? Don't give them any ammunition. And we would have responded with, well, aren't they playing at their best to start with? You know, Do they need something like that to pep them up? I loved what Ed Langdon said. It gave us an insight to... What teams think? Because you go into these teams it's out there, you play your local football out there and you know how you, your team coaches. You'll go into some of these team meetings, you'll have the line coaches say, right, this is what we're attempting to do this weekend. You'll have an overall strategist besides the coach will say, this is where they're vulnerable. I think they're a bit of a one-trick pony. And if we take them down in this area, we're a real good chance to win. And that's vernacular. You know, it's just the overall theme. It's not your hard and fast game plan. 
Ed Langdon trotted it out. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And that's what Sam Mitchell was on with Kane and Kingy this morning. And they said, what did you think? He goes, oh, I thought it was great. I'm just glad it wasn't one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so we should play it. For those who haven't heard Ed Langdon on uh, on Drive on SEN yesterday giving the, the, the Melbourne summary of Collingwood. They're sort of all duck, no dinner in a sense that, um, you know, if they're playing fast footy on their terms, they're, they're a very hard team to stop. But um, they're a bit of a one-trick pony at times. So hopefully we can uh, nice. dampen the way they want to play and, and on the back of that, um, you know, go out and, and offensively play the way we want to play. Only two animals he referred to. That was disappointing. <laughs> he couldn't get a third in. Uh, Andrew Gaze, bit of Ray Martin, hard-hitting... <laughs> Probing stuff. Well, I, yeah, think we, I think when Gazy went right, mm. Gazy thought, "Oh, this is interesting." Uh, he gave commentary. a little. Ooh, <laughs> at the front. That that was his. That was the uh, basketball coach in him. Anyone who's coached a team, even at junior level, you go, "Oh, yeah, right." Probably would have preferred not my boys to say that, but wasn't it great to hear as as, as per Sam Mitchell. And it's going to be interesting for Melbourne because last week they just completely choked Fremantle. Fremantle, when they go fast, are really exciting. So Fremantle couldn't get out of the blocks last week. And uh, they're going to attempt to do that. So we know exactly what Melbourne are going to try and do. We know what Collingwood are trying to do. And that's good. So we'll just work out who does what best. <laughs> Is there more to them than, than that? Are they a one-trick pony? All duck, no dinner? Well, I think everybody can go just slow. Just parroting the coach, I, I think everybody can go slow to a degree, but they do try and hit the corridor more so than any side in the competition right now, and Melbourne will know that. And I, I reckon Fly will be saying, well, OK, if the corridor is not there, take what they give you. Go out wide. And uh, maybe not go really wide, but go into you know where the logos are. Look for the space. Take it if it's there. Yeah, they are excited when they move the ball quickly. And I think that's what, when you're saying one-trick pony, there's so many facets to their game. But when they play in that quick mode and they can get a Jamie Elliott one out, that type of scenario, that's the all-duck, no-dinner you know, statement and get inside, Dugowie one out inside 50. So they've got a big wide-open forward line. Just, just take the brakes off, bang through the corridor and get it into a one-on-one with some of those more agile forwards. Um, the thing with Coach McRae, and we're talking about what a... And he's a fantastic bloke. I've had the opportunity... We've all had the opportunity to speak to him before he became the Collingwood coach, and he's always the most affable, likeable fellow. And some of my friends are saying to me, isn't he great? He's fantastic talent and that. And I say, yeah, he's winning. <laughs> let's, let's see. And we, the test will be when he drops two or three in a row. And I hope it doesn't happen... But everybody's a great talent in the media as a coach when they win 10 in a row. <laughs> He's been very good along from about 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But you guys have him regularly as well. And oh, he's fantastic to listen to. And he's, a, as I say, he's a very affable character. If ever you can be affable, it's when you're winning. It feels like there are two assumptions that sit over this, I think. is one that Collingwood's run has to be yep. coming to an end, and that Melbourne re-established themselves last week. Are you subscribing to both of those coming in? Are you holding out against one? Like, if Collingwood does beat Melbourne tonight, it will further explode oh, yeah. a lot of assumptions. No, it'll be amazing. I mean, the, the trouble that Melbourne have got right now is that they did exactly what they did last week against Brisbane about five weeks ago, mm. and then went into a you know a, went into a dive again. So I'm more interested in what I see of Melbourne tonight. I think I think it is rightly so that Collingwood are due for loss. You can't be up all the time, and, and that's okay. 
Um, I think they'll be competitive and they may sneak across the line. But I'm more interested in Melbourne because if Melbourne produced what they produced last week, then they'll get the they'll get the business done. There was a time in that first what did they win ten in a row at the start, yeah. Melbourne, and you'd look at the when they'd concede the ball into the back pocket. You know, the team's trying to come forward, and there's just no space. They just couldn't get through. Yep. And that forces you into kicking down the line, and there's a bloke called Max Gorn who's so good at plonking himself underneath that kick down the line, and that's their, that's their strategic yep. game plan of, of stopping the opposition. They give you no targets out of your back line, yep. and they force you to kick it down the line to Max. It'll be interesting to see whether Max starts forward again because Brown's back in. And I wonder uh, how the contractual situation is, whether Luke Jackson's got it in his contract negotiations that he gets a few more runs. And, of course, Brayshaw's already had a pen into his contract. He's back in the middle. I, you tell me. He probably will. And what you say that for? I was having a coffee in Hampton Street mid-morning, not yesterday, day before, and uh, Mark Williams walked in. I said, G'day, mate, how are you? He sat over in a corner. And this is mid-morning, and 15 minutes later, big Luke Jackson walked in and had a coffee with him for half an hour. Why wouldn't you just chat at the club? Because uh, Choco lives in Bentley, and Luke probably lives down that way. Well, why couldn't you do it at the club? Why do you have to have a... I would think that once you leave the club and you're on your own time... Choco works in mysterious ways. (laughs) You sure there wasn't mentoring about where life should lead? Or... Sure it would be. Uh, good fun, Dave. Good fun. Maybe we should ask the chairman or chair, chair, chairperson. Uh, Come Kate, in. President. Kate Roffey is the president of Melbourne. Kate, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Great to be here. What a place to be. And look what we're looking at. The beautiful MCG getting ready for a huge Friday night game. Big occasion in store, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And Eddie Langdon's put the... the <laughs> Flame to the fire there. Good on you, Eddie. So, I what did a, you think as a president? I, I, I thought it was great. I, thought, I sent him a message saying, you better stand up out there now, boys, and <laughs> do the job for the night. But, you know, good on him. I mean, he's, um, he's put the comment out there. I'm not sure my media people will agree with me. But, um, yeah, I loved it. And Eddie's such a great guy. So, um, yeah, it'll get the Collingwood crowd fired up, no doubt about that. Did the coach, do you know if the coach has said anything to him? No, I don't, actually. Um, other than go out and play well, I'm pretty sure Goody won't worry too much about it. But it certainly will put a bit of fire out there in the crowd and the Melbourne supporters will turn out in droves tonight, I and think. Your and your home game, so maybe a few Absolutely, extra absolutely. Yeah, there's no love lost between Collingwood-Melbourne, as most people know. So it should I be a ripping fan- game. Fantastic, too. Can I ask you, is it normal for one of your senior coaches to take somebody aside outside of club hours and have a... A, a, a powwow with them about life in an outside setting when yeah. they should be in the, on their own time? Look, look if it's Choco, yes. But, no, look, um, they're all really close off the field. I chatter away to them, bump into them at, at times. And, you know, it's a, it's a thing. We sort of live in a microcosm when you're, when you're in the AFL world, so it's not un- unusual that they gather outside and, you know, I'll chat away, I'll have coffee with them occasionally and just have a chat about, not necessarily football stuff, and that's, I don't know what Choco might have been talking about, but they have lives outside of football and we have lives outside of football. Okay, come on, I loved Alan Jeans. I couldn't think of anything worse than having coffee with him. (laughs) Just, you're out of the club, you've got to get away from everything football. Why would he go... We do, and that's something I talk a lot about our men and women players, is what do you do outside of 
of footy and make sure that you have something because it really, as you know, you're doing for playing, you really do need some downtime outside of outside of the football bubble. And you know, I, I won't say um, you know, they'll often be out and about, down having a coffee. And, Coach and player. Yeah, I oh, look all all players, coaches, the coaching group, the um, admin. You'll see them down there at times. We're a close club. We're a close club, Derm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've won a premiership, of course you <laughs> Exactly. Are. Closer now. Closer Kate, now. Kate, uh, Max went public last week, thinks uh, that Luke's going to stay. Mm. Where do you see that? Yeah, look, um, we, don't, we, we don't ask Luke about it. We just want him to get on playing. But I think, you know, knowing Luke, he's a, he's a young guy. He loves his club. He loves his family. And unfortunately, they're on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. So it's a really, you know, Gus... Had a chat to Gus after he'd um, made his decision to sign up long-term with us. And Gus is older. He's a very, very considered person and he found it really difficult mm. to not make the decision but to go through the process of making sure you tick all your boxes. And, you know, Luke's a, a young guy. We love him here. His family love him um, and we're not putting any pressure at all on him at this point in time. Have you spoken to him personally about it? Yeah, I'd chat away to him. I saw his mum over in, yep. in Perth. His old brother were over there. We didn't talk about this. We just talk about what's going on. They, like I said, they have lives outside of... Mm of football and, you know, I, t- I treat our players as people first, players second and, you know, what's good for them, you know, wherever our players end up in, you know, next year, 10 years, 20 years, they've still got my mobile number and they're always free to call it any time they need anything. I think I know the answer, but I'll ask anyway. Mm-hmm. I have to ask. Are you capable of matching the offer? Yeah, look, um, I'll leave that to the list managers. But we, oh. <laughs> Well, I would, you know, he's a player that plays for the Melbourne Football Club. So at the moment, until such time as there's something formal that says he's not, he's in our list. And yes, we can keep and fit everyone in our list at the moment. That's why we have such a good list management. But yeah. can you match? Uh, I actually don't know what, if someone can tell me what the offer actually is, other oh, than I've speculating. I've got a sneaky in suspicion that, you do know. That's right. Can someone tell me, what, is, is Buddy going to Brisbane or not? Because <laughs> yes. the only people who seem to know are the media people. But um, no, look, he's a he's a player for us. And, you know, we're hoping that he's a player for us next year. Then never well. mind the money. They would want to do well to satisfy you, Fremantle, if they are going to take him, wouldn't they, Kate? Yeah, look, that's a... a, look, a Trade is fascinating. We haven't even reached the finals yet, so we don't usually get into trade until we've got a bit of breathing space. But outside of finals, it is the most talked about thing in football, the trade period, and how you go through these trades. And I know our uh, trade is such an extraordinary... uh, The period is so extraordinary, but I know our list managers spend hours and hours and hours of time working on how these things are done. And, look, I don't really understand the ins and outs of it when you go. There's a six-way trade for... X, Y, Z, but um, they're all things that they'll be working on and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Let's just um, make sure we win tonight for a start and mm-hmm. hopefully make that grand final. It again. was reported during the week that the St Kilda board had had discussions over Jordan Ngoi as to whether or not uh, they would stump up the money for him. Do you have the same process? Uh, we leave the list management to the list managers, but when it comes time to actually talk about our due diligence, which is things like salaries and, yep. and long-term, then, yes, it does come to the board, and we have that discussion from a risk management perspective to make sure that we're not doing something that three or four years down the track is going to have an impact that we don't want. So that's when we see it. We don't, I don't sit there with the coaches or the players and saying, I think we should pick that person. Yep. Or what, they'll do that, but we do our due diligence. Well, um, what about character then? Absolutely, that's yep. something I know our list managers and our coaches and our and our um, leadership group are very much involved. But in would that. you, as a board, would you get involved N- in that? Not so much, not so much, because we don't know the players as well. I know our list managers. I spent some time with them in Perth, and they, if you ask any any of our list managers about a young player who none of us have heard of, they'll be able to tell you, you know, give you the whole box and dice on where they've been, what they do, how they play. They really follow it closely. So we trust them. Uh, I do my job as president. They do their jobs as list managers. 
Kate, there's a view that a premiership delivers all sorts of uh, riches for football clubs. Has that been the experience for you? Because we're in different times with COVID. And has it had a, an impact on your membership? I I saw Carlton were 5,000 shy of 100,000 a couple of uh, weeks ago. Where's Melbourne at and what's the ambition? Yeah, so we, we've passed 65,000, which is our biggest membership yep. ever. Uh, our ambition, we've said it and we've said it publicly, is 75,000 as we go through our years. One of the interesting things is, yes, a premiership has a huge impact. One of the other things that's had a big impact is the characters that we've got. So young kids for a few years now have supported Melbourne before we won a premiership because they, they follow Maxi mm. or they follow Track or they follow Clary. And these, we've just got such a... Eddie, now we'll have a big following, I'm sure. <laughs> um, we've just got a, a period of time where we've got these real characters yep. in the game and I think a lot of people coming into AFL and particularly young kids, a friend of mine, they're, neither of them are Melbourne supporters but for whatever reason their three-year-old daughter... Pick Melbourne yep. long before the long before we won the premiership, and that was um, she tells me now that she understands she's old enough to understand why is because Christian Petrarca mm-hmm. is her favourite. So I think all of those things yep. success um, does breed success, but characters in the game as well are really important. Yep. And Jim Steins is in yeah, everybody's thoughts tonight, Kate. Yeah, absolutely. It's a reach out for reach tonight, so we encourage everyone that's here at the ground or that's out there listening tonight to. Donate to the Reach Foundation. It's Jim's foundation and um, Maxie Gorn, obviously very involved with it now, but I think they've got around 30,000 young people that they're helping around the country at the moment and it's an extraordinary legacy that Jim has left and, and carried on and we really hope that we can raise a lot of money tonight for, for youth out there and um, help them promote their futures, which is something that Jim was so passionate about. Kate, it's good to see you. You've got commitments, so uh, oh, we'll do. leave you be. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Good Bye. on you. The Melbourne president, Kate Roffey, is with us tonight. Uh, the, the annual round for Reach this week, it recognises the legacy of the great Jim Steins, 10 years since his passing, and this game dedicated to help raise funds for the Reach Foundation. Uh, the not-for-profit, which Jim co-founded in 1994. The badges have the, uh, the QR code on them. It's not hard to find. And uh, hopefully you've heard plenty around the work of Reach over the past couple of weeks in the build-up. Melbourne and Collingwood to start round 21 on AFL Nation coming up. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. We are in the Coates Hire commentary box tonight at the MCG. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Melbourne and Collingwood. I wonder how big a crowd it will be. It, it poured rain in Melbourne from about 3 o'clock this afternoon, which uh, would have dampened a few spirits, I'm sure. But uh, there's every reason to think. There's a game back in 1988, which is 75,000 here at the G, late in the season when they were second versus third. So... Gee. I wonder if we get there tonight. I'm struggling to remember that, I've got to say, but um, it's probably no surprise. But you're right. I mean, it's been such a long period of time, isn't it, between when both these two teams mm. have been at, uh, at the top of the game. So they played a Together. semi-final in 88 and an elimination final in 89, and then round 16, 1988, in their second versus third, 74,964 here for it. So that's that's the era we're talking when they were wow. they were both successful at the same time. Mm. It's a good test for the crowd. Full stop. Though we've still not got right back to our very best on a regular basis. There's been the odd one here and there, but uh, this is one that is an odd one, and it's it's an odd one because it's 
something in it for uh, every supporter and even for the neutrals that are just uh, wandering by. It's, it, it looms as an absolute cracker. Go on, say it. It's been raining at Buller. It's not great conditions oh, up there at the moment. There. I never go there. <laughs> but it has been down. <laughs> it has been. My older, my uh, nephew-in-law, Wilco, rang me today. He's up at Hotham and said, oh, snow's just disappeared. <laughs> So 100,000 here tonight then. Yeah, could be 100. <laughs> that'll, that'll give it an extra 15. <laughs> AFL Nation, when we take your calls across the weekend, your feedback will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. We're, we're just sweating on Scott Selwood here, so it won't get us too involved in a, a conversation that, that'll get cut off. Is, Harms is the emergency tonight, which, which seems to indicate that he plays the sub. Yeah, it's strange for me. I think Harms is in the best 22, but... Yep. I mean, this right right now they're experimenting a game with Brayshaw through the middle of the ground, so I think they're better side with Brayshaw on the back flank and Harms in the middle. Um, they've had uh, they've had Brayshaw become a All Australian candidate for the uh, half back flank. He's he's in brilliant form, and he went into the middle last week and uh, and got votes as well. So we know we can play there, but Harms has got that lockdown capacity as well. He could go to a uh, a Nick Dacos or he could go to a Lipinski if he got off the chain, etc. But um, it gives him some flexibility. Jared Healy alongside Dermot Burton, Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you for the call. Scott Selwood from the coaching staff at Collingwood. Scott, great to have you on AFL Nation. G'day guys, how are you going? <laughs> Tell us how the words of Ed Langdon uh, resonated through the club at all today. Uh, oh, you can tell me what they are. I've missed them, mate, to be honest with you. Have you really missed them? Uh, choice of words, maybe. Yes, I, I yes. might be deciding. <laughs> no, we're, we're really comfortable with how we're going and what we're doing. I mean, it's a massive challenge for us tonight, obviously. They're going really well. And uh, we saw it a couple of weeks ago. And even against Geelong, I thought I was watching it back just recently that uh, their first quarter was really strong. So it's more so if we can just get on top of them early and, uh, and try and control the game a little bit. Having one trick is fine if it keeps on winning, Scott. Oh, yes and no. I mean, I think we've got different ways to, to try and access a, a winning game for us. Like, I, I do believe that uh, we have let sides back in. We've had big momentum swings, but at the same time, that's just the growth of the group, of a young group, and um, we're really comfortable that we're, we're putting things in place to try and prevent that and stop that. Although we are coming up against a side that we've seen in a grand final can uh, swing momentum very quickly, and, uh, and they can do it uh, from three or four centre bounces and games back on their terms. We're interested in... Um the selection of Brayshaw. Um, did you see that one coming or were you expecting that uh, Harms would come into the side? Oh, it's an interesting one. I mean, it depends how deep you want to look into it. I probably think if he's he's a passionate midfielder from what I believe and uh, and if he signs a six-year deal, I probably be, I've got a belief that potentially he's he wants to play midfield time. So it probably pushes one of their other mids out and forces another guy back into the back line. So that's probably where I think that one lies personally. But I'm just speculating, to be honest with you. Scotty, on your system and setup, how does the dynamics change? And is there a role to fill there? Not that you can replace the Taylor Adams, but his absence. I mean, he's such such a different character, the way he goes about it. Yeah, he is. We're going to miss him tonight. He's a bull, and it's probably that energy inside that we're going to miss. Um, so we're going to try and do a few little things differently. I mean, we've got Joshy Carmichael that comes in the side, and he's really raw and different, and... He loves crash packs and he, he sort of um, sort of rips it or everything in between, to be honest with you. But he's doing a really good job of it and, and we love what he's bringing. So will he get centre bounce attendances? We're, we're gonna, 
at the moment, that's probably a, a, a weakness of ours. So we're going to try a little bit of everything. So we're going to have um, some guys in the back line try and play in there at times. Joshy Carmichael playing there. We'll make sure Josh Stakos get to, gets some centre bounce attendances. So uh, we're really looking for guys with a really quick feet and the ability to be clean below their knees and um, and be strong in the contest. And we're still exploring what that best mix looks like going into finals. One of the when I'm looking when I am looking at teams, I look at the balance, and you you kind of go for six, maybe seven forwards capable of getting you to about 14 goals, you know, one on the bench to rotate through, one might drift to centre or, or one or two. You actually have a team which could run any one of, I think, 11 players through the forward line with potency. And we try and change it up too. Obviously, we've pushed Nick forward a few times and um, and that that's obviously a strength of ours when he's gone there. He's had really big influences and uh, whether teams start taking him or not, I'm, I'm not too sure what it looks like tonight for Melbourne, but... Um, there's probably just the differences of the way we play. So we try and play a little bit faster. Hopefully we play a little bit faster than what Freo did. We probably thought they were a bit too slow, a uh, bit, bit too straight line against what you need to do against Melbourne. Now that opens you up back the other way, but um, that, that's just the risk you have to take to beat a really good side. There are so many ifs on the whiteboard, yeah. if we can, in various areas. What is the if with Lever and Stephen May? <laughs> Yeah, that, that if was discussed and debated for a long time. We need to change the angles as much as possible. And I thought Geelong did a good job of getting the ball off the line really quickly. So change their reference point as much as possible. Um, and, and just play a little bit more daring and, and just have a go at them. And more so, you know, he might be even kicking the ball along the ground inside 50 if there's a spare back there. It's, it's little things like that, that the imperfections of the way we try and play. And obviously you've seen it with Richmond in the past that, uh, that Fly and Leper have probably brought across that we try and play really imperfect and that's perfect for us. Scotty, can I ask you about the, the makeup of the coaching panel, which, you know, which you're a part of? You talked about Leper and, and, uh, and, and Bolts, who are pretty different characters, I would imagine. How, how does it all fit together? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like You've got a guy that's um, very structured and in Bolts and then you got the crazy cat and leper that's um, he's sort of uh, a bit fiery and, and can sort of fire from the hip at times. But at the same time, he's really measured and calm in what he does. And those guys, I, I can't help but feel that um, the differences in all our coaching group at the moment, uh, it, it sort of helps the players relate or, or has the ability to try and um, connect with different guys of all different levels. And, and I feel like we're seeing guys shine because of that. So... Um, it's a, it's a, Fly's done a really good job putting it together. He adopted myself and Hayden Skipworth, but at the same time, I feel like we've connected really well. What age were you, Scotty, when you were able to beat your brother, your little brother, convincingly? Oh, mate, I, I still don't know if I can do that now, to be honest with you. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Well, I, what age was he when he started beating you? Well, he's older than me, so I'm the oh, youngest. Right. So it's, it's I've got the wrong. Yeah, I've well, got the wrong birthday. We grew up a little bit, so it was really Joel and I versus Troy and Adam. So that was a challenge for us. So it was about 14, 15, and Troy and Adam were always pretty scrawny fellas. So we, uh, by the time we just started weights, although they were AFL players, we pushed them off the ball pretty quickly. <laughs> he's, he, he's it, I mean, he's a blood to be unbelievably proud of, isn't he? He's been incredible. He's had a really good journey and, and where their journey takes them this year is going to be interesting to see. Obviously, we've got a part to play of trying to prevent them from uh, potentially winning a premiership, hopefully. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's done a fantastic job. He should be really proud. We're proud of as a family. But, um, 
yeah, I can't help but feel that uh, he, he doesn't want his journey to be done until there's a Premiership Cup at the end of it. And could you tackle him in the backyard, Scott? Yeah, I was always better, mate. you just got to make sure you go at the hips, not the shoulders with us, <laughs> Selwoods. That's always the trick. Good on you, Scott. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Hello. guys. Cheers. Scott Selwood from inside the Collingwood coaching camp. Uh, we're going to talk camps. We're going to talk Buddy and uh, all the other issues that are, well, they're flaming away in footy at the moment. We'll do that on the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, 25000 advertising giveaway iCanWin.com.au You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles Hybrid Flooring in store now Very much news to me so um, um, I would have thought if they are moving to, to Queensland that that's perhaps an indication that Bud's going to retire from, from AFL football. So, uh, as I say, I've not had one conversation with Bud. Chris Fagan, the Brisbane Lions coach, at his weekly press conference, which took on an added dimension today with last night's reporting that Franklin would go to the Brisbane Lions next year, that he told the Swans he was out and that there have been conversations to set things up. Who knows? I still can't see it, but he, I would have fallen for that. Ten years ago as well, AFL Nation, we're with uh, Anthony Hudson, Dermot Burton and Jared Healy. What do you think, Jared? Well, I didn't really take much notice of it because I'd spoken to Tom Harley and he said he knew nothing about it. And one of the lines in the, uh, in the article that was saying he was going is that he'd reported it to the Sydney Swans. So that immediately, when one of the key facts is wrong, you start questioning it. Um, but overall, I'm disappointed that it's it's aired itself three weeks to go before finals. I'm disappointed that the narrative's not being controlled. It's certainly not coming out of the Sydney um, Swans, so you can only assume it's coming out of the... It's either been made up or it's coming out of uh, sort of indirectly somehow out of the Buddy Franklin camp. But Buddy... I mean, I think Buddy needs to control this now. We are heading towards a finals campaign for the Sydney Swans and he needs to make sure that, uh, you know, the discussion around him doesn't distract from the discussion around uh, playing finals and maybe playing even big finals. So, I mean, he, he wouldn't want to finish, I don't think, with that sort of legacy hanging over what's been a fantastic marriage between two. The club and a brilliant player. Um, I, I can't believe that he's not going to finish in, at the Sydney Swans. I'd, I'd be very sad if he, if he didn't from football's perspective. And I think he'd regret it. I think most players who go to a club for one year at the end probably end up saying, oh, I'm not sure I should have done that. Should have just stayed where I was. But he may be a different cat and he's going to uh, run his own his, his own race. But I think he's got to consider the bigger picture in this. I think you're right, Jared. I, I, I think, in fact, I think he's, he's told Sydney as much that, that it's not true. I'm sure there's been conversations today right. and, and that that would have been reiterated. Now, whether he plays on next year, I think, remains an open question. I think it's a certainty for him to play, and he just looks like he wants to play on. Just get the deal done. But it is interesting, A, that it hasn't been done yet, isn't it? Mm. And that these reports, the one a few weeks ago, and then this one, which is, it is always odd, Jared, isn't it, when a non-AFL person reports are a significantly big yep. AFL story and usually it's either one end or the other it's either it's either right and it's come from to them via a completely random unusual source or it's just wrong and they've either misread or misheard a situation which I'm tending to think this latter one well is. it's a bit like the dusty one you go through the the reality of life can it work dusty to Sydney it could never work 
because of salary cap issues, because the Sydney Swans don't want to give up uh, Chad Warner and a first-round pick for him. They haven't got enough room in the cap. So can it work in Brisbane? Do they want three left-foot, tall, skinny forwards uh, playing in the one-forward line? I, I doubt it. Um, and, I, you know, it doesn't seem to me to be something that the Brisbane Lions would actively pursue. So what if he's going to, if he does want to go to Queensland, if, if the family decides that's an attractive proposition for their children to grow up in that environment, there's more than one team in Queensland. Yeah, and they may make that decision and um, they may have already made it. But that certainly wasn't the decision four weeks ago when this first came up. They were looking to get a deal with Sydney. So, um, you know, I think that uh, you wouldn't change clubs just for one year to, to, to I move. don't think so. I think you're, you're totally correct in the fact that the legacy will be two extraordinary careers that if they were only standalone careers by themselves yep. at these two clubs, we'd still say, Fantastic. that bloke, <laughs> what a player he was at that. Let's say he retired the day after he played his last game at Hawthorne. We'd be looking back and saying, that player had, had claims to be the greatest player of all time. And if he was on another planet and then lobbed at the, the Swans in 2013, we'd go, wow, what did we miss at the start? Mm. Both careers have been extraordinary. Um, I think he plays at Sydney next year or doesn't play. He might even get to that stage. I don't think he's totally motivated by money. But when you talk about that word, the narrative around it, he's almost like Tiger Woods. It's he's the name in the sport that everybody wants the sport wants the the, the spoils of a story, and he can actually say well, he's that big now a name in the sport. If it was to be one of the other players out there they were talking of in these terms, they'd be required to give a reason, give sound reasoning why this is happening. But it's Buddy, he, he can wipe it away with a swat and just, but, and just carry on. Bottom line is, for this story to be true, he's telling the Swans one thing and then yep. acting in another. So that's one thing. But I don't we, think he's that no, And I don't think he is either. So, but also from a marketing point of view, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is what's he worth? Marketing-wise, my view is he'd be worth even more to Brisbane because he'd be something, he'd be new. He'd be a new thing, wouldn't he? would be yeah. a reason for people to buy the corporate and to come along to the footy. Yeah, but how much is that worth, Hutto? I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is he's 36. There's no guarantee he fronts up. I mean, this is the, this is the point with a 36. At a 34, buddy, or might have been 33, he, he missed a year almost. At 36, you're, you know, the percentages continue to plummet the older you get. Now... He's not the, the speedy machine no. that he once was. Um, and he so, may be weighing all that up too right now. But yeah, but the way he's playing to me, he looks hungry still. And I think he was making a statement a couple of uh, weeks ago, I think it was against St Kilda, where he just... I thought he was going to get himself reported. He was hitting packs, he was taking overhead marks, and uh, I thought he was going to bump himself into a two-week report. Um, he looked angry, and maybe he is a bit frustrated about this whole thing. So the one way to sort it out is... Um, is not to go public, uh, and I think to control any leaks that are out there, just make sure you're not part parcel of them. Yeah, it is his to control, though, now. Yeah. It is, you rightly point out, they're three weeks out from a final series that they look neck deep in the premiership yeah. race. It's a long time since Franklin and the Swans have been this close mm. to contention. You would want to be so careful that you're not the cause of, of this just wobbling. Yeah. And, and I, I think if he would... is going to stay, he actually needs to do it 
rapidly. Yeah. And, and, and you think you think he's had conversations yeah. with Sydney today to I think reassure been them. And Andy Marr, just being told, Andy Marr said that he's reporting that uh, Lance Franklin will remain with the Swans and that uh, they're in the throes of working out the contract. So I think there was dialogue today. I don't know where it got to, but he certainly that. Um, well, that's exactly what Tom Harley said on Thursday. And I think he would have been... Yeah, disappointed, but that's, but that's continued on today. Continued so. on today. Yeah. So ultimately, I think they all know where it's at. I mean, they need to get this done. They've got mm. a finals campaign. They They're do. in with a chance. Yep. So let's not uh, muck it up with a uh, you know f- fighting over twenty five thousand dollars. Mm. It will be interesting to see if if it does develop over the next couple of days. Sometimes it's a wrong report that actually gets it these does. things yeah, to finally. Sort themselves. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Just on the Swans, I mean, to me, they are a genuine premiership contender now. Well, they're clearly that. They've beaten uh, both Melbourne and Geelong. I think Melbourne and Geelong are a level above. Then there's the Sydney Swans. I'm not sure who's with them. Um... All the contenders that I thought can play that premiership footy, Carlton, have dropped off. I think they, their best is, is good enough to push in deep into the finals. Fremantle's fallen off a cliff I didn't see coming. I thought they were getting better and better and better. But people have just worked out uh, they if you if you bottle them up, they play robotic footy and they can't get out of their own way at the present time. So they're a club that I thought was going to go very close to prelim final. But uh, right now, they, they can't score. And they need to find a way to do it. One of the things you have to take into account with Sydney, when other teams might be just flatlining a little, what do you think of Sydney's best football? Because their best football is seriously good. Uh, They move the ball really well. Their best ball movement side, D50 to F50, they've got incredible talent in the forward line. They've got got every base covered. but it's you know it's a big jump from where they were last year to go all the way and beat uh, two very seasoned clubs like Melbourne and Geelong, and then we've got the wild card we're seeing tonight. Mm. It, it's pies. what it's what puts so much on tonight is there is a path to second for yeah. the Swans if Absolutely. Melbourne put in a misstep because yeah. the the Swans have without making any assumptions they've got the draw to ping off the last three, yeah. and if there's a little stumble ahead of them, then you're in home qualifying final territory, and that that can change right. the whole equation. And they play the last game of the season too against St Kilda, so that's that could be for any spot yep. for for both, couldn't it? Could be. Our Coats High commentary team tonight at the MCG, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy, Dermot Brereton and Jared Waitley. Coats, we're more than higher, we're equipped for anything. It's the Reach game tonight, it is Reach Round and that is heavily featured in the footy record. You can grab it on the way to the ground or from newsagents across the weekend, Melbourne and Collingwood, the round for Reach, the 10-year anniversary since the passing of Jim Steins. And we're anticipating 70-plus thousand here at the G tonight. Uh, We'll work back through the thoughts of Josh Jenkins today, which were so emotionally put forward. And evidently, Alistair Clarkson has met again with the Giants. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. 
Friday night footy at the beginning of round 21. Melbourne and Collingwood at the MCG. The teams are unchanged. The subs have landed. James Harms is the sub for the Demons. And Trent Bianco is that for the Pies. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Jared Whateley, Anthony Hudson, Dermot Burton and Jared Healy with you as we look back on some of the events of the week and the discussions that have dominated debate. Josh Jenkins added his voice to that of Eddie Betts today when he told the story of his involvement with the now notorious pre-season camp. It, it does it does bear the long-form listen. It's available on, on podcasts and on the socials. It's easy to find. Here's a, a small excerpt of when Josh felt like the camp might have been called to a halt. We sat under a tree and witnessed a man unknown to us go through this harness ritual. The reason why he was on the harness are up for conjecture, but I heard comments thrown his way, including some he offered himself about sexual misbehaviour and womanising. Following that person's harness ritual, I got up from under the tree we were all sitting under. I fronted Heath Uni and Don Pike and said, we lost a game of footy, we are all good people, this is rubbish, and I think we should all leave. Mm. And Josh spoke around how the breach of trust that Eddie Betts had documented where a counsellor had drawn personal information from him and it was used as abuse during that ritual, Josh went through the same thing as he had sought promises and undertakings around what he had shared around, around his childhood and how he had grown up and that was used against him, which is... Um, it, it's devastating for mm. them. I had the same as you, Hutto, when Josh had shown me what he was going to read. My first note back was, I'm sorry that you went through that yeah. before we worry about anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it was harrowing to listen to. And um, I think one thing that was interesting that he also talked about was that the the guys like, like a Rory Sloan or other players that were there that it had, didn't have the childhood that he had, had not given up. There, there wasn't the same level of sensitive information about themselves and vulnerabilities that they... So when they were having abuse thrown at them, it was, it was nothing compared to the sort of things that Josh had experienced and was, and was clearly hurt by. So it, it, it put some light on the fact as to why the experiences could have been significantly different for some players rather than others. Yeah, I think that that was uh, that was pretty evident coming out of it. But um, I mean, everybody's there seeing and seeing hurt, mm. and um, but they don't you don't know the effect it's having on the person. And I that's suppose, my point do. originally. How those people that were running the camp thought that they could control that. Yes, it was just it's beyond belief that they uh, were given license to uh, exploit that. And uh, I'm sure that those people in power, given their time again, would say no. We absolutely erred there, but it has shone a light on. I think the integrity department of the AFL yep. didn't do a good enough job. AFL Players Association didn't do a good enough job. Adelaide Football Club, terrible job. Um, I think the, the, the people that stood out in this whole episode are the ones that normally get the wax, and that's the media. The media have been, for the first, not for the first time, but the media have absolutely been ahead of everybody else in the game, and yet I think everybody within football that they were trying to tell how dramatic this was 
probably compared it, former players like Dermot Marcel, probably compared it to trips that we'd been on. And yet this wasn't like trips we'd been on. This no. was this was a, a dramatic level below anything draconian that we went through. This was physical. This was mental abuse. And it, uh, and it needed to be sounded out by the AFL. And I think this week everyone's gone early to, to, to try and sort of cover themselves. I think it needed more, a more formal apology from the Adelaide Football Club. It needed the chairman to be there. I think it needs a more formal investigation from the AFL. And certainly the Players Association needs a, a more formal investigation, which we know they're going to do. And maybe even they should say we, we let the playing group down. I think we are, we're absolutely at that point. It is, Adelaide's apology was so half-hearted. Yeah. It was so disappointing to watch. Uh, there was no strident march out, here's what we want to do. It was a meandering through questions which eventually got to, well, if... You know, it, it got to a sorry buried in the back of we're trying to move on. You have to do better than that. So I, I feel for Adelaide that if they don't adequately face up to this, and they have clearly exploited the advantages of their position in their town, they have been party to a protection racket. Mm. And their media has fallen into that and silenced and marginalised any voice that dared go near the truth. It has echoes of what happened with West Coast during their yep. drug-fueled era. They, their hold on the town, they have used in, in, a, in an unsavoury way. And there's a few people who hold positions which are supposed to hold others to account who should be doing some deep reflection on how they've been used and used really badly. Well, I think uh, one of the chief protagonists of uh, the protection or the... I guess antagonising on criticism of particularly Scoot McClure was Stephen Rowe, and he said today I, I read somewhere that uh, he believes he's now been played, which is pretty strong language. One of the the things that got to me with the situation was so often, and we're learning more. I'm learning on the run for people of our vintage, Jared. When we have ever we hear of the Indigenous lads, and that was culturally significant to demoralising them, we think. What area that I don't understand, what the, the fragility in those areas. Take that completely to the side. When you stoop to the level where you want to, you still try, your ultimate aim is to make somebody better in the end. But when you are trying to break them down with humiliating information that was divulged to you in trust at the start doesn't matter your race color or creed that's just good standard human behavior they got it wrong and, and the one thing i will give adelaide still now is they only wanted to get better they got it horribly wrong so i wonder if collective wrong. minds will issue an apology yeah i mean they're in a position where they've gone to court yeah protect their reputation well i haven't heard from collective minds they need to talk they need to present their position yeah. and they need to tell us how they're dealing with the reaction. I'm not so sure the league, their legal representation will tell them that they need to talk. But, but I'm not worrying about the legal representation. Yeah, I'm, but I'm if, I was, about the... if you were that business, you'd probably take that into account now. Yeah, well, their last public commentary, which was just mindlessly put forward was that they won their legal battle yep. over the age and claimed victory that 
the age folded a winning hand, so they stand to be judged on it. They couldn't stand behind thorough and accurate reporting, uh, which most of us absolutely believe to be true, and you didn't have to dig too far to... Uh, to corroborate what had been published, but the the age couldn't stand behind it. The AFL, so the surprising AFL's... the age didn't. I mean, it really, it's you know, for a, for a, for a paper that says independent always, they let themselves down badly. The AFL is their first statement, Dermot, is to what you said. They they could only bring themselves to acknowledge and only the Indigenous players, mm. which is why today is the extra layer from Josh's. So important. Gil McLaughlin got to the apology, the stuff that needed to be said. But was, that, clearly... was there enough there to, like they said, they didn't break rules as such? Was the... yeah. So let, let's hear a little bit of Gil today on Three AW. Well, the the specific details, you know, investigations are done in a way that you know, there's, there's things provide on certain terms. I knew the broader remit that Ed was that was wounded by this, you know, for some time, and we've had conversations. Um, some of the specific detail in the last, you know, days. To your question, Hutto, is I would I could take you back to the tanking findings mm. against Melbourne, where no tanking was found, <laughs> but the AFL found a way to deal with what they wanted to deal with. Yep. So the idea that their hands were tied, there was no way to take action because there was no breach. That doesn't it doesn't stand the way they have done business previously. I suspect there was a lack of willingness to do anything about it. Maybe there was a lack of the most confronting detail. But I do think it was a it was a failure of judgment, but above all it was a failure of humanity to, to not take any action other than to, you know, future try to future proof these things. There was if the AFL had a willingness, there was always a way for them. Would would they in that moment, have said, "Well, we're insulated from this. This is a club matter." Or do you believe the umbrella of what is the AFL? They have an absolute share in the, in the keeper in the of owners. the code, yeah. responsible for the young men that they bring into the sport. This was done in the name of sport. It's everything that the AFL is trying to get away from: toxic masculinity, cultural insensitivity, gross manipulation. So all of the value banners that they would say they hold, they were all breached yep. in this. And uh, different to the Essendon scenario, but there's elements that are... That there's are elements of governance. Is yeah. that, so they will say that the action against Essendon was on governance grounds. Well, there's clearly failures of governance in this. Um, yeah, is if there was a willingness, there was absolutely a way to deal with it. The, the other similarity with the Essendon taking the AFL part out is just then what happens to the club afterwards and how this tore the club apart. Yep. And all these, one element was obviously things that had been said on the camp. They came back to, you know, the, the new day dawned and you weren't on camp anymore. And then so there's all that information that's out there and then, then it plays out in the media and then the club just gets torn apart. Yeah, and well, the, the club went from favourites going into the grand final, yeah. almost unbackable favourites, yep. losing badly. Um, and then I think did they have a losing streak of ten in a row or something along those lines? They fell badly apart, and uh, it's taken a long time, and it's going to take a long time to uh, stitch it all back together. I think they've made some good grounds. Yep. If they can get Isaac Rankin, which um, sadly for the for the uh, Suns it looks like that's uh, going to be a real chance. That will help, but uh, they're still you know a few players away from uh, really getting back in town. Is Isaac is bringing Isaac Rankin in as your highest paid player soundless management? Look, I'm, I haven't really considered that, but uh, whether or not uh, he's higher paid than Jordan Dawson, I don't know. But uh, figure I was told that uh, last night was um, from someone who would know 
was above 800. It uh, was a bit halfway between 800 and uh, 900, so we'll call it 850. Um, so it's a lot of money for a kid that's um, hasn't really done much. He's, he's Put together six us. good ones during the season. That's right. He's excited us. <laughs> he's done more than that this year, hasn't he? Or he's shown yeah, much better yes, traits. Of... Second half of the season, he's been... You're almost right, all Hallie. Australian small forwards. So is that's it good, terrific. Is it good for him, though, as well? That's the other question. Isn't it a bit like Luke Jackson? You go home to a two-town team yep. and you become the hero on hot, big money when you – obviously, up until now, he was – you know, the inference there, Hello, is that can the kid handle the yeah the the no, people call it the pressure of being it? Can he handle the heat of being the player, yeah. the man? It's not the great position either for that to be yeah. the case, is it? Like you're not in the cut and thrust of it. Some kids love it. I think so the some long... kids love being the man, and if I mean clearly he'll give him a level of comfort. Yeah, uh, but he's going to be well paid. He at the seems Coast, to anyway. be the kind of kid who actually says, "Give me the ball." Oh, siren's gone. I'll take the shot. He's one of those types. I'm not so sure that the mantle of being number one in or two in, in the, this pay scheme of things will hurt him emotionally and take his mind off the bigger prize to play well. He's he's played half a dozen really good games this year. The rest have been competent. But what he's done in those games, the talent he's displayed, but he's also shown a willingness and want to work like we haven't seen before. Yeah. And that is an enormous an enormous tick in his box, and I don't reckon that's why Adelaide have thought he's ready. He's going to hurt the Suns. I mean, I think they're personally going to be hurt. They've put a lot of time into him. They've got a chance to keep him, though, Jared? Uh, I, th- I think it's... Doesn't sound like doesn't it. Doesn't sound good. Like, at they could match the offer, but it doesn't sound like it. it the it, young kids up there are just having a couple of contacts up there. They and the good young kids up there, they are incredibly happy yeah, they are. in the environment. They they're, they're, love it. They're stunned, I think, the Suns, that he's going to be the one that potentially may leave the uh, leave the gang because, you know, they've had King, they've had Lukosius, um, all signed. And they, I think a year ago, I've had this discussion uh, with a couple of their officials. They always thought Rankin was going to be the first to sign. But something's happened over the last month or so. Maybe the enormity of this offer uh, has... I think 900 things have happened. Yeah. Well, his value has gone up. From, it has gone up. But, from round six to now, hasn't it? But ultimately, if you if you add up what he's going to make at the Suns over a career versus what he's going to make at uh, the Adelaide, it's not going to be that much difference after tax and all of that. And he's only been there four years. Can you pay stay-at-home small forward 900 a year? It's just, just a... Broadly thinking, oh, no, can no, no. you pay I, that's a point. small that's forward I, 900? If, you, if your top two players are Isaac Rankin and Jordan Dawson, that, that's, that's not success. I've got no problem with paying a young man 900 if he's seriously good. But I'm not so sure your small forward commands that type of money. No, no. Not, not, that, that's not anybody's build. It creates problems down the track too because when you do become, when you recruit enough good players to become a top four side, then, I mean, there's your reference point. This bloke's on 850 and he has been for five years. You pay him up front, I reckon, up early, so yeah, well, if you don't run into those same issues. Yeah, but then if he gets to become the player we think he's going to become, he's going to want a, he's going to want an increase on his eight fifty. Yeah, and then his last year he's on three hundred, and somebody says we'll put you back to one point two. He's off. <laughs> this is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tales, supporting small to medium builders, Melbourne and Collingwood, coming up at the G.
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. AFL Nation this Friday night from the MCG Melbourne versus Collingwood. The other sport within a sport is trying to read the mind of Alastair Clarkson. I don't know why anybody's <laughs> bothering to try, but evidently he met again with the Giants, travelled to Sydney to do yep. so. So for those who were thinking that he was he was going cold on that and he was all in on North, you can, you can actually get every steer at the moment, depending on who you are, talk to. I think he's playing the field right now, uh, Clarko, and he's, uh, I don't think he's in any hurry to make his mind up. He, he knows that he's probably going to have to do so by, what, prelim final week at the latest. Um, went to Queensland last week. Went to Queensland. He's probably trying to take a... Buddy to Queensland to take <laughs> over for Chris Fagan. <laughs> it's in his interest, though, to make out to everybody he is talking to all the suitable suitors. Does, yeah. has he, does make, he make need sure that, you're playing though? the full field. Not oh, just absolutely. But yeah. d- d- does he need the leverage, like to get. <laughs> Put it this way, Hutto. If you were going onto a contract that would, would, yeah, know, would look there's... like giving you 1.2, wouldn't you prefer 1.3 or 1.4? They can only go so far. I oh, know, but they? they'll find some ways. They'll find so His wife will get a new car or something. I don't know <laughs> how <laughs> it'll do. But the AFL said they're not going to help out if he goes to the Giants, which surprises me to a degree. I would have thought. Uh, Every other high-profile person that's gone up there has got some ambassadorial role, and to have Clarko there for the sport would be good. But ultimately, the thing that's good for the sport is to get somebody who turns that club into a winning club and yeah. gets people going to see it. It's not to say that he couldn't earn, I think, Gilster, that he couldn't earn extra money as an ambassador role, but you'd have to sign him first, and then yeah. things could happen after that. Yeah, often these things are uh, discussed prior to uh, the signing, though. Huh? Into that. But the AFL have said a couple of times that they, they're not going to be party to bolstering mm. that way. So that's interesting. It's, it's not about money, though, at the moment, is it? It's about finding the right job. Um, to your point, maybe it's about motivating a couple of others to make the right decision <laughs> and open up their job. It's about finding the right job. And once you, in your own mind, find that right job, not letting the people who are offering that right job absolutely know, and they're still in competition with the others. Yeah. Do you think there's a there's other suitors that could still come this year? Yeah, yeah. And if not next, if not this year, then next year. Oh, come but, on, Jerry. We want to save the Hawks four hundred and fifty. <laughs> I wouldn't be falling over myself to take one of these two jobs if I felt like there were. There's always jobs that come up. See, I think the Giants is a great job. I, I think, think the it suits are, him beautifully. Yeah. I think it suits Adam Uze. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I think it I, suits I, anybody that's competent because. They've got plenty of talent. They've got young talent. They've got a couple they've got to uh, ease out. There's a little bit of a an imbalance in one area, which is really rectifiable. You mean the mid-side mids? Or, yes. Or you're talking about the, the money that's being paid to four or five? Put it this way. If their home ground was Glenferry Oval, be no it was about 90 metres wide and about 120 long, those inside mids, you'd keep them all. But we play on the MCG, we play on all those big grounds. Yep. They need some line runners in that middle. But that's, I mean, the fact that they've got a bit of an imbalance means you can get some draft picks here and you can get a draft pick there. And they've got a couple of kids that haven't been seen. Finn Callahan, we haven't seen much of Good him. Play, He's outstanding young talent to come through the midfield. You throw two or three first rounders into the mix with a competent coach and uh, you get it right off the Didn't field. They've done well. that already, though, to a degree. That the imbalance. Surely is part of why they've got to where they've got to. What do you mean? Well, how did it get to this point? 
with their, with their list being so imbalanced. Okay, because, uh, and Leon, you could, you could ask them this tomorrow, Leon loved clearance football. They, they scored out of clearance. And to me, and, and you love what you're good at. And to me, it was Leon, when he looked at his team, and that's his call, it was as if he was saying, give me clearance players, because I'm a clearance-based team. And I'm happy with those. I still want Whitfield. I still want um, Kelly to run the lines. They don't go terribly... And the, the, the statistics will say they win their contest, share of contested ball. But, but their really, turnover game never got near When it. you actually look at the realistic situation with your eyes, their clearance... Their, sorry, contested numbers aren't real contested numbers. So they are really full of bulls on the inside. I think one or two of those could actually be sacrificed for something that might give them what they want. Hutto will take you through the remainder of the round and then we will set you up for tonight. Melbourne and Collingwood to start round 21. Our luggage partner is Samsonite. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. Our Coats Hire commentary team tonight, Anthony Hudson and Jared Waitley, Jared Healy and Dermot Burton. Coats, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.